on the altar at St. Benedict's Table every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. and every other Sunday at 4 p.m. for the family service, there sits a woven altar cloth in the colors of the liturgical year, woven by the members of the congregation at the beginning of 2019, and on. Here's the story of where it came from and where it went. We had five Wednesdays set aside and sort of tapped five different people who came with very different perspectives and just talk about your story. It was part of getting it out of being this, this sort of idea that we all have a vocation. It was in that context that Lois Ward, she did one of the sessions and she talked about weaving and basically said, I, as I look back on things, I see how all of these threads are woven together, but I didn't see it at the time. Um, and so that inspired the weaving project. So Lois inspired the weaving project, but she was not a weaver herself. In fact, I couldn't remember her name coming up whenever we talked about the actual act of weaving this altar cloth while at church. And so I called Jamie and I asked him if Lois was a weaver and he said no. So I said, so how did this idea get from Lois's comment to being our altar cloth? Well, it was a couple of days after the presentation that Rachel Twig, who was a priest at St. Ben's at the time, and actually the one who suggested that St. Ben's apply for this Communities of Calling initiative, she called Jamie and said, I've got this crazy idea. What do you think about this? Well, everybody loved it. And it just so happened that we had a weaver in the congregation, Carolyn. But the problem was that Carolyn lived four and a half hours away, but she loved the idea. So Carolyn approached Samantha, who was not a weaver either, but an artist and willing to learn and suggested that she weave and be the hands and the feet and the guidance for the rest of the congregation during services. And Samantha agreed. St. Ben's held an introduction to weaving class where the practical and the theological were taught together. There was the back of the church for those first three and a half months. And people would gather around and they'd look and then Samantha would say, come on, do a thread. And, uh, and then, so we're doing this thing and doing this thing and doing this thing. And people are, are catching hold of the image and oh, oh, oh. But it was almost... Only after the whole works was finished, so Samantha doing the, the last half of it on her own, and, and, and then this finished piece that gets laid over the communion table. And I think that that, at a kind of a, a gut or heart sense, it had such deep resonance. It just got recognized. Anybody who had put a, th a, a thread into that thing gets it. The next time all the congregations got together in Collegeville, St. Ben's gave its presentation on what they'd been up to. There were these presentations. Lois made a comment. Rachel was inspired, talked to Carolyn, who in turn taught Samantha. And for three months, she guided the members in the congregation. And then during lockdown, she completed the weaving project while in the background of the church's live stream. And from that presentation at Collegeville, Holy Trinity Minneapolis heard something that made sense to them for their context. But I'll let them tell you that story in just a second.
This episode is about the power of story and community, how it forms our calling and the direction of our lives. Now, it's not that Holy Trinity Minneapolis heard a call from St. Ben's, but rather that they were called by God through the story that they were telling. Kathleen Callahan, who is also a part of the Collegeville Institute and an expert on calling and vocation, wrote a book called The Stories We Live. In that, she writes, Paul recognizes that the spirit of the risen Christ continues to work through us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For Paul, God has work to do through each of us for the good of us all. So we are all ambassadors for Christ since God is making God's appeal through us. Now, there are lots of ways by which we can discern our callings, but as we're about to hear in the rest of this episode, story, conversation, and community is one of the big ones. Now, let's get back to Ingrid and Sandra as they tell us how their community weaving project brought wholeness into their space and time. So the theme of weaving um, shaped our life together in 2022 and inspired by other um, communities calling congregation that did a liturgical weaving during COVID time, you might remember that. We decided to create indoor and outdoor weaving projects that symbolize the tapestry that the spirit was creating in trauma-filled time. We had a member who was a weaver, so we commissioned her and her weaving partner to take on this project with us and have it be a really community um, participatory project. So congregants were invited to bring items to be woven into the weaving, and the neighborhood, you'll see also, was invited to um, weave themselves into these tapestries. So in, uh, in a want to bring more voices into this room, we actually had the weavers write up something about their experience of doing this project. And so Sandra's going to read that while I click through We'd certainly never woven objects of all shapes and sizes directly into our pieces. At first, the task was daunting, much like the act of bringing our stories back together after a long and painful se- separation. As we were, and are, coming back together, we were clumsy and made mistakes, but we kept going and found more harmony and ease in the undertaking. Just as we keep going and intentionally show each other as a community and see our moments of joy and pain and sadness as interconnecting too. And that is our final hope for these pieces, that the details continue to give you pause and delight you, that you see the way your stories intertwine, overlap, and dance colorfully with each other. And what are conversations and communities if they're not colorfully intertwining people and ideas? This is the work of calling. I'm going to take a step back for a minute. Edwin from St. Mark's and I had a conversation where we reflected on the fact that as clergy, we were asked to write essay after essay, have conversation after conversation with countless people trying to discern whether ordained ministry was in fact the right thing for us. And we both acknowledged that these are just not the conversations that happen for folks who are not working towards ordained ministry. 
But that does not mean that these questions are not real and live ones. And so, the congregations of the communities of calling asked and made it a topic of conversation because when these things are on the mind, things like comments in a presentation on weaving, cross borders, and help heal communities. So let's hear how a few of the communities asked these questions and had these conversations. Here's Edwin from St. Mark's talking about some beautifully produced video interviews that you can still find on their website. There'll be a link in the description. So the nice thing about this uh, Ira's interviews and those call stories uh, is that he is there to prompt and to pull out. Mm. What's interesting is every single interview is an interview. He's asking questions that people are responding to rather than asking, hey, Sue, sit down and tell me your call story. Her call story, it wouldn't look anything like what her video does. So, I mean, I, even now, I'm, it's, it's raising interesting questions for me. What would it be like to have kind of like a story dialogue partner that draws you out almost in the same way that you're asking me questions and I'm responding. And it's a lot easier than you, Andrew, asking me to sit down for 15 minutes and talk about this thing, you know? Um, So what I would say is I think that there is um, a deep need for sharing call stories, for sharing stories about our faith. Yeah. Um, But I think a lot of people really struggle to tell those stories, maybe because they struggle to make those own connections in their life. But we don't have to make those connections on our own. In fact, when we talk with people, people that we know and people that we don't, they often see and hear connections in our story that we don't. West Morris Free Methodist Church in West Indianapolis went through a program called Mission Vision Values. And while Kristen is about to talk about how churches go about discerning who they are in the place that they are and the work they have to do there, all of these concepts scale down to the personal level. It's just a matter of finding the right people to talk with. Here's Kristen. I would say, first and foremost, get somebody in the room with key representative leaders from across the church at the table to focus and wrestle with who are we? Who have we been through the years? Who's God inviting us to be? Why do we exist in the world? And what are we working towards? That's the mission, vision, values process. And then what what are some non-negotiables about how we exist that are never going to be on the table? You know, what what is is a given for how we're going to engage partnerships, receive grants, do the work of of whatever God is inviting us to do. And yes, we had the advantage of paying a consultant with the grant funds. But there are people within your denominational structures, you have peer friends who went through the process themselves and, and had grant money to do it and they can turn around and like I could do it for another church because we've been part of the process. Rachel could do it for another church because she's been part of the process. So surely there is somebody who could come in as an outsider, and that's key, Mm -hmm. as an outsider to ask the hard questions and to help a group process, who are we and what is God calling us to do? Edwin was blessed with a videographer and talented interviewer in his congregation. And Kristen had some grant money 
so they could hire a firm to help them ask the questions they needed to ask. But it does not need to be so complicated. Here's Stephen and Kim from St. Paul's, then Lynn from St. Matthew's, and Sarah from St. Ben's, talking about some of the changes they saw after a few years of just making calling part of the conversation. Kim would choose a person each week and highlight, you know, talk to them, learn their story, like frame it, if they didn't already, frame it in their own sense of calling, and then write that little blurb and post that and some pictures on Facebook each week, just a day in the life, and just give those examples of people everyone knows, things that most people know that they do, like, oh, that's framed as a calling. And we really noticed in that year, people used that language. Really? They really did. I mean, they talked about, I never thought of that. And they, they would say, I have this calling or I have these callings. Hmm. And, they, and they really did pick up that language. Sometimes I would, you know, send them, just send a message. And I word it, just share what you do and what you love to get people to think, a little bit more broader that these are what you love leads to what you're called to do. And you can use those things as a, I'm a way to bring good and hope into the world. And so I did, I mean, I loved when people said I had this calling from a, when I, a kid, I knew I wanted to, to be a nurse. I knew I wanted to work in this, this field. So, so it was there. It just took a little bit of asking the right questions at the right time. And Well, I think it really validates the other dimensions of people. I mean, I don't think most people would think that the fact that they can arrange flowers or the fact that they can make pickles or whatever would really be all that important. But if you look at it in this bigger picture, this bigger umbrella, then it not only validates the person's interest, but it also teaches everybody that those smaller pieces of themselves are also important. I think it helps the world as a whole to have people appreciate themselves and what they can do and what they can share. And that maybe sharing how to make bread is important. I feel like I've felt or noticed a shift in people being willing to accept these little nudges or thinking of what, you know, thinking that they could have a vocation too. And so I noticed, particularly with the artist in residence program, which we had run for many years before Communities of Calling, people suddenly felt a lot more comfortable kind of trying on a role. You know, maybe they don't want to call themselves an artist officially, but um, they're willing to apply with a project in mind or to explore that side of themselves. And then I've had uh, people specifically say they never would have called themselves a musician, but they felt, you know, with all the exploring of vocation that they, maybe they could and they were going to try it on. (laughs) Nurses, artists, and you heard it right, arranging flowers and making pickles. One of the main initiatives that St. Matthew's put on was called skill sharing. And it really challenged the idea that calling had to take a particular shape. Again, through a conversation while on retreat at Collegeville, they came up with this idea. But why don't we have Sarah explain how this initiative went? Because when I asked her what her highlight of the whole program was, instead of referring to something from St. Ben's, she went straight to the skill-sharing program from St. Matthew's. And as someone who's called to be a teacher, that makes perfect sense. Here's Sarah again. 
As a community, they realized that they had so many interesting and talented people right within their own community. And so they put together a program that was uh, asking community members to teach something to others. Yeah, so, yeah, so for example, they had like a cooking class where someone was really good, I think, at breaking bread, which is a really funny, in hindsight, given the sourdough craze of the <laughs> pandemic. But uh, I think they went and, you know, taught everyone how to bake bread in one evening. And then, uh, you know, some of the other classes were different cooking things or different skills. And I thought it was as a as a teacher and as someone who just loves when someone's passionate about something and learning about that from them. Um, it was such a great way to come together as a community and learn together and uh, celebrate each other. Yeah. And they did celebrate each other. From what I heard, the evenings where they shared all kinds of different skills, they were just a lot of fun. Benjamin himself taught one class on making country ham. And for those of you who don't know, think prosciutto, but smoked, and from the southern states. As a way of sharing how this evening went, St. Matthews actually brought some of that country ham with them to Collegeville, and they made little plates for each table, and it was delicious. But during our conversation, it was pickles that took the center stage. In fact, they became the reference point for what it meant to have a calling in the world. Because after hearing that story... And how making pickles made the world a better place through that person, it just made all the sense in the world. There was some discussion, however, that one needs to be careful not to just label every hobby or leisure activity that a person has as a calling. No. The activity is needed to fulfill some categories, if you will. They had three questions that they asked each person who was doing one of these skill-sharing sessions. And why don't we let Benjamin jump in and talk about them? And they come for like, I want to learn how to make pickles or bread or whatever. And then we have this much more in-depth conversation than I think you expect when you're coming to a pickle class. <laughs> and so it ends up being lovely and people really enjoy it, but it's not usually what they expect yeah. uh, when they come. And it's only, I mean, mostly it's pickles. We ask the same three questions, but it leads to this like conversation that's pretty good. So you, thank you for picking that up. Those mm -hmm. three questions are, do you have them memorized? I have yeah. Oh yeah. So They're in my bones you, at this can point. Can you uh, kind of rattle them off and then sort of... Uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's like you're talking storytelling. You always start there. You say, tell the story of how you came to this calling. Yeah. What's the story of why you bake bread or are a journaler or a photographer or whatever the class topic is? And, and so sometimes that's really quick. They say, hey, oh yeah, here's how I start. Sometimes it's like the whole class we're telling this story and it's okay. wonderful. Yeah. Um, but that gets people comfortable. And that's a question that everyone knows how to answer right. that doesn't feel theological or they don't feel unprepared. They can talk about the story of why they bake bread. Yeah. And then the second one is how does this calling uh, interact with the other calling you have in your life? Okay. So since you've been baking bread, have you noticed a difference in the way that you approach your work? Or do you think about your role as a spouse or as a member of a family or a parent? or as a member of a church or a Christian differently? And it sounds silly to ask that question, but after they've just told the whole story of how they came to it, everyone always has an answer to this question. Mm -hmm. And it's always interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah. it's, and, and then the third one, which is the scariest question for most people, is how does this calling work towards wholeness in the world? Or if that's confusing language, sometimes we'll say, how does it, what good does it do in the world? Okay. How does it bring goodness? Yeah. But wholeness is really what we like. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, that's usually the stretch, but sometimes it's just once you've taken step one and step two of like how it interacts with other callings, the third step of you've already probably started talking on how it changed your life for the better. So how does it change the world for the better? Isn't actually as big a jump as you might think. And it's kind of beautiful conversations that it's okay. We're totally comfortable being slightly ridiculous, asking how pickles make the world a more whole place. Uh, but people usually have an answer and it's kind of fun and it's a little fun, but it's also serious and people have good answers. And so it's a good series and they kind of work up to each other. Well, Bramwell Ryan was one of the early members in the group at St. Ben's that led the Communities of Calling initiatives. And something that he would always say was, record everything. If it doesn't work, you can always toss it later. Well, this next story didn't get recorded, but it illustrates what we've been talking about perfectly. So, I'm sorry, Bram. Rather than pickles, this one has to do with sourdough bread during the lockdown. There was one household where one of the members learned to make sourdough with all of their time being locked at home. Bread was baked on Wednesday. It served as a bit of a time marker. You could smell the fresh bread, so it must be Wednesday again. But there were only two people in this household, and they always baked in batches of four loaves, which meant there was a lot of bread being given away. Eventually, one of these loaves made it to a friend whose partner was very ill and hadn't been eating. They found out later that this bread was something that this person could eat, and they did. And so for months, these two would apparently take the bread, put it on the doorstep, take ten big steps back from the door, and call the people inside to let them know the bread was there waiting for them, and they would have a good chat. As a result... That friendship grew and deepened. Did they call it a calling at the time? No, it was just something good to do. But if you look at it through the lens of these three questions, the question of how or why did they start? The answer was because they had time to try something they had always wanted to do. But then it changed the relationship between that person and the rest of their callings. It marked time in a way that kept a kind of sanity during the lockdown so they could do the other work that they had to do from home with a little more ground underneath them. And then third question, how did it bring wholeness into the world? Well, relationships were deepened and everybody ate good food and it really did bring wholeness into the world. Okay, one last one to wrap it all up. Since we're in the business of reshaping what we think calling is, and could be through story, we're going to hear about an initiative, again from Wes Morris, where instead of sharing a story, they created a space for stories to be shared. Here's Kristen. Well, one is we built a coffee shop. Cool. So our neighborhood is uh, a food desert, a shopping desert, a coffee shop desert. There really are not gathering places if somebody wanted to get together and encourage one another or just meet um, together. And so we had some unused space. We have lots of unused space and kind of in the middle section of the building with exterior doors to the main West Morris Street, we reimagined an old nursery, a broad hallway, and a sitting area. 
took down walls, created a coffee shop. And that coffee shop is intended to be open to the neighborhood. There's like a, there's a counter space, like an L counter, which behind that we've got the coffee machine and we can set out the pastries and things there. There's a little sink and lots of cupboard space. And then we've got four or five tables and kind of a long bar area that may have about eight stools at it. Um, and I think there are outlets up there, aren't there, for like if you would want to plug in. And then on the lower level, there's some lounge chairs. And... Um, like we said, we left the walls intentionally blank, and we had a couple of painting afternoons, and we painted pictures to put up, and we've changed those out a couple of times with photographs, and hopefully that will lead to other art projects. I worked in a coffee shop for a long time. Oh, the stories I could tell. West Indianapolis is a rough place. We'll hear more about that later. One of the things a coffee shop does is it creates a safe, clean, and neutral space to meet and share stories, and as you heard Kristen say, encourage one another. And that's what this is all about. And that story leads us nicely into next episode's topic. It'll be two weeks from now, which is on how whole communities and congregations, as opposed to individuals, can be called in an equally dizzying array of directions in their response to the questions, who are we? How can I help? Who can I help? What are we good at? What do we love to do? And how do all those things fit together to keep building up the kingdom of God? Until next time, God bless. This podcast was made possible by the Communities of Calling Initiative Grant. And thank you to Steve Bell for the use of his music. Today, we heard the song, Kindness. This has been a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.